This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.co.uk or threepeople.co.uk for more information. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. On a day of reflection, we've got some guests on to talk a little bit about uh, Bristol City over the years. But before we come to that, Matt, how are you, sir? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Patch. I, uh, I've i been doing a bit of uh, end of season training down in Sidmouth in the last week. When I say yeah. training, I mean drinking and eating. I was going to uh, say, yeah, not much training. <laughs> I've done, an, uh, yeah, I think I've done a burger every day and a, a lots of Doom Bar and various ales. So, uh, yeah, I've had a great, I've had a great time. But Matt, we, uh, we've got an early kickoff today. Mm. We've, it's um, 11.42 now, kickoff at 12.30. So the team news is in. Any big surprises for you? Um. Not, not really. I guess you know, arguably Backinson coming in, Palmer dropping out, um, Famara um, up top. I think that's always going to cause a bit of debate at the moment. You know, for me, he's still our our best physical sort of striker. Um, but but maybe with the result with the Rotherham game, I think we're we're more than safe. I would have quite liked to have seen um, Lewis Britton given a bit of a a start up front rather than Fam. And obviously Jack Hunt's come in because Danny Simpson's injured. So no, no real surprises. Um, but yeah, you know, the fact Wells is dropping out and Famara coming in, you know, Naki didn't play that well last week. But yeah, I'd have preferred to have seen maybe Tommy Conway or um, or Louis Britton start. Do you think it'll be a four four two with uh, Semenya and Gigi up top together? I, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. Okay. Um, I guess it depends as well what Sheffield are going to put out, but yeah, I would imagine so. Oh, Sheffield. I hope there's no Sheffield fans. Sorry, Sheffield listening. Wednesday. Yeah, good show. Because <laughs> I would hate that if they said Bristol. So yeah, good show. And uh, just before we come on to our, our guests, there's a game at 4.30 today, isn't there as well? The under 18 under is live in the, on yep. Robins TV. So yep. um, fifth round of the cup, Trevor Chalice and the boys. So um, good luck to Trevor and the lads. Um, yeah. And I, I watched the last one because um, that was being shown on YouTube Um I mean, honestly, it gives you a real glimpse of the future. We got some some proper talent there, mm. um, so yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll certainly be tuning in for that one. Excellent, lovely stuff. Okay, well, as I said, I, we've got some guests on, um, and they are it's two gentlemen, Gary and Tony from the Supporters Club. I'm going to come to Tony first of all. Tony, how are you, sir? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, so there's. Explain to me first of all. There's a, there's a couple of different supporters clubs, supporters trust. Just explain what you guys, who you guys are from, and how you, how it all started for you. Well, we we started around about the time of the the Ashton eight, around the eighty two mark, um, and we got we then got involved with a supporters club, which is now part of the supporters club and trust. Right. That's all one. It's all one thing now. Go, let's go back to, to actually you get involved back in 1982 um, yeah. and uh, you you sent me a picture earlier on uh, on email of, of getting involved with the Freight Rover Trophy and going back to the hotel and stuff. That must have been a cracking day. Well, it was it was a hell of a day. Yeah, I can't remember where we got there. I think we might have gone on the on the train, I think. And we might have had a few friends and a few drinks beforehand. Mm. And um, obviously we were we were. Uh, when it's gone to the board at that time, we we knew a lot of them. We knew um, Terry Cooper, you know Clyde Middlemass and their wives. We we mixed with them in 
in the boardroom after after games. And um, we, we had a brilliant day there. And they, they kindly invited us back to the, the players' hotel where they had a reception after the game. And um, hence that picture where, yeah. where Gary I, and I knew them so well that they, they let us have our picture taken with the, with the trophy, which was... Uh, a, a great memory for us. So this yeah. is for, for fans, um, you know, younger fans. This was 1986, Bolton, uh, a 3-0 victory. And that's one of my first memories. Um, I was born in 81. I, I didn't go to the game, but um, obviously my brother, who's a little <laughs> Gary's bit older. Gary's got his head in his hands then. That's <laughs> <laughs> your excuse. My, uh, my, my brother is a little bit older um, and my dad obviously went and they bought the video. I remember the big white video that, yeah, um, yeah. that they had and we used to watch it all the time. And that Glenn Riley celebration where his shorts sort of give him a bit of a wedgie is always something that sticks in my mind. Matt, obviously, I assume you were there. No, I was I was actually working um, at a Saturday job and I couldn't get the time off. Oh, wow. Um, and my boss at the time, um, I sort of said I was going to leave and he said, look, I just can't let you have the time off. Um, and I would listen to it on the radio, or I was listening to it on the radio, and I was out, out in the front of the shop, and he came out, he said, oh, they've they scored a game. Um, some guy's just jumped on the floor with his hands in the air, and I went, Glenn Riley's just scored. Because <laughs> Glenn Riley was my favourite player at the time. Um, so it's always my biggest regret. I, as much as I love the job, I wish that I'd have binned it and, and gone. Um, yeah. And obviously I went the following year and uh, that was nowhere near as uh, as delightful. Yeah, we, We've got a great anecdote from that day, actually, that we went with a group of friends and one of our friends, well, he was my best man at the wedding. His wife came along and um, she didn't drink much of football, uh, but she sat with us and throughout the whole game, she read a book. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Even when we were jumping up and down. Yeah. Brilliant. Let's come to you, Gary. So, Gary, you were actually a, a, a director appointed, you know, by the, by the supporters club at, at, um, at Bristol City. Oh, and I was, uh, tell us I was your story. Elected, I was elected by the supporters club as a representative. And um, I was actually elected by the shareholders in those days. Obviously, there were multiple shareholders. I was uh, elected at an AGM. And uh, so that's when I was on the board. I think I was about five years. Uh, in some ways, uh, I wish it never happened now because it was kind of quite unhappiness for me. And uh, although yeah. I, I it was great for the supporters club, uh, it turned out to be a bit of a poison chalice, really. Um, so, so during that time, then obviously you you said you, I don't know if you are saying you enjoyed it or not. Or was uh, is it something that you? <laughs> how did you find it? Uh, well, first of all, it was a great uh, occasion for the supporters club because I've always wanted the supporters club and as fans have a voice, a serious voice at executive level. And it gave us the opportunity to do that. And, uh, and obviously we were one of the first, I think, that um, ever had, not, not, not as a, uh, a non-executive director, but as a, a, as a director. And we even made the sun and some of the tabloids because it was unusual for fans to buy a large shareholding and get a place on the board of directors. So we may have been the first, I don't know. I'm sure somebody will correct me. Uh, obviously, having Steve Lansdowne on on the podcast back on Good Friday, we actually asked him about fan involvement, fan engagement, and we 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 had a feeling that there, you know, we've got Jerry on board, who, who Matt's alluded to several times, but um, just a bit more involvement in big things like the 125 year celebration, where 
the, the players were were not not paraded. They were sort of you know ushered out in the corner no, and, I, I, and not announced. So we were we were hope we were hoping that um you know come in the future that uh, fans could be a bit more involved in things like that. How how does that sort of sound to you, Gary? Well, we, in all fairness, we spoke to Jerry Topper because we um because we gave him a lot of the contacts that we had because we started uh, the fans reunion. Right. And, and I beg your pardon, not a fan. Players. The players reunion. In all fairness, it was the best night of the year. And uh, we first got John, As- John Asker to come back to the club, who at the time thought he was uh, forgotten. But I did speak to them and I explained the way we did it and the way we always did it. Each player would be called out a brief synopsis of their playing career, their appearances. And the one that used to get the greatest cheer was Mickey Gerrish, who stayed at the club for 10 years and never made a first time appearance. Um, <laughs> but then, and then, then and normally Atio would come out last. And uh, mm. each one would get a cheer, each one would get a clap. And uh, I did say this to Jerry, but I don't think he was a decision maker at the time. Like, I even said I'd do it for him, because obviously I've done it so often in the past. Um, but the way it was done was terrible because they had uh, so many players in the late seventies, eighties there. Um, I, don't, I think I think because of the because of the volume of players that they had, um, I'll come to you, Matt. The volume of players that they had, I don't think we'd expect too too much information. Just their name, I think, was all we were after, and maybe use the Titantron a bit more. I think I think like Gary said, the the fact that. Um, you know, in, in, in norm, normal circumstances, when we've done that kind of thing before, it would have been to the halfway line centre circle. They'd walk out, right. on, you know, their name would be read out um, and you'd, you'd have an opportunity to applaud them. Right. To be honest, even but, with 100 players there, it would have taken more than about 10 minutes. You could have split it, Gary. You could have done some before the game, some at halftime, however they wanted to do it. I, I just felt, as I know Patch did and lots of other fans we've spoken to, I was fortunate that I sat in the, the south stand so I could see some of the players that came out, but certainly not all of them. And, you know, some of your favourites, you didn't even know they were there. And it was only afterwards that, I mean, Patch was fortunate enough to be um, in the hospitality and was sort of telling me, you know, oh, yeah, I was stood having a photograph with so-and-so. And it was like, well, I didn't even see them there. And I just felt it was actually, I know it wasn't deliberate, but it was disrespectful to those players. And, and as you said, Gary, a lot of them were of an age that, yeah, well, you know, had- they had Colin Sullivan there, who was in his 90s, and uh, it had been great to have him on the pitch. Now. Yeah. And there was so much uh, tradition there, so many memories. Uh, but sadly, the guy that interviewed a couple of people, he's only recently involved with Bristol City. He's got no concept mm. people in the past. And uh, the only mm. two he interviewed was uh, Finian. And Louis Carey, because yeah. the other ones. Well, we we were so you you obviously didn't recognise us from that patch because we were there also. We we were invited. We went into the hospitality suite, and we right. we thought then how poorly it was being organised, yeah. uh, how badly it was done, yeah, and we just thought it was it was it was similar to types of things they'd done before, not quite not quite right. Hmm. Well, well, sorry, I agree with Tony. It wasn't for us. There wouldn't have been a photograph at all. Uh, but we organised the photograph actually in the bar, and then later Paul Cheesley did it in the uh, Heineken Lounge. I may have even took the photo. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, so coming back to coming back to you, Tony. Um, obviously, we're we're now what we what year are we? And I can't even think. Twenty twenty one. What yeah. what in, what involvement have you got in 
today. Are you part of any supporters club or are you literally a season yeah, ticket holder? Yeah, I'm a member of a supporters club. I, I, I cast my vote for player of the year today. I did too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a young player and a champagne moment. So, so the Brit, so at Bristol City SCT on Twitter, um, yeah. for anyone who's listening, ha- have a look at that and, and cast your vote. I think you've got to the 24th of April at 6 p.m. Um, and also in vote, voting for the Bristol City Women's Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. So, uh, yeah, yeah have, have a look at that if you haven't done so. Sorry, carry on, Tony. The, the champagne moment was... Uh, that was tough, wasn't it? <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't remember any. The, the one I voted for was um, uh, Casey Palmer's corner. Oh, right, the goal. Okay. Yeah, Swansea, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, obviously, the Dan, Bentley, Dan Bentley right. had a you know, few world-class saves this season. Yeah. Some, um, someone else said Callum O'Dowder when he sort of ran around the world yeah. at QPR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I went for Pato's goal at Huddersfield. <laughs> That's what I mean. There's a there really isn't a standout moment, is there? All of us have sort of just talked about different ones, and it's a bit of a. I agree with you with Bentley. Uh, the save uh, at Knox Forest was one of the best saves, or possibly the real best save I've ever seen. Yeah. Is it goalkeeper? Yeah. Uh, but my champagne moment was uh, uh, Semenyo's backflip. I'm not sure about. <laughs> yeah, no good shape. Yeah. That was at Millwall in the cup game. Yeah, I almost That's put right, the yeah. I almost put the Semenyo goal myself at Millwall because it was the it yeah. was something that I've been waiting for for him for quite some time in terms of you know a clean striker's goal. Obviously, he's got two in the league, but they were both through just tenacity and chasing down um, mm. the goalkeeper. But um, yeah, I think just if we see a few more goals like the goal at Millwall next season, I think um, you know he's going to be someone who we need to hold on to or get promoted to to hold on to. Um, but so going back to this season, uh, Tony, your your thoughts on Nigel Pearson um, and hopefully getting that wrapped up. Your thoughts? Um, well, obviously he made a, he made a good impact. I think we won the first two games that we when he when he first came in. Um, but he's he's obviously finding it difficult to 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 find the right balance of team. And most teams you need the right balance, and that's what's that's where the magic comes from. Is getting the balance right, and he's 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 struggling to find it. Obviously, he's restricted with the number of players he has at his disposal, and well, we got um, 10, 15 players out, you know, yeah. with injuries. Mm-hmm. So, I, I like I like to hear him. He's he's very different from mm. previous managers. He doesn't come up with the cliches, does he? No, no, I, um, I really very, enjoy listening to him. And I I think he's I think he's 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 kicked a few people, mm. and some of them maybe don't like it. And um, I think eventually they'll they'll come round to his way of thinking. Hopefully, if um, he gets a contract. And and Gary, I mean, he was brought in to to stop stop the rot, really, in terms of the free fall that we were on at the mo- at that time. Um, and you know, once that's achieved, obviously, it's not been mathematically. You know, we're not mathematically safe, and we haven't been. Um, but getting the tune out of players when there's nothing to play for and it's coming to the end of the season seems to be hard. It shouldn't be hard. They all should be wanting to play for the shirt, play for their contracts, play for playing in next season. How do you, how do you feel about it, Gary? As he said himself, uh, they have their professional pride uh, to play for. And um, obviously some of the teams we've seen in the past that all came through the youth team, I'm, I'm talking about the team that got promoted to the first division, and uh, they had that sort of camaraderie, and the Bristol derbies were very important. But 
football has changed so much. You get so many journeyman players who have with you for three years, and then the next derby is going to be in Sheffield or possibly Liverpool, and uh, it, it changes so much. Uh, hopefully, he, uh, he will be the answer. I can listen to this man, which I found difficult to listen to some of the people in the time, just like Tony said, because of the, the almost meaningless cliches. Uh, and um, he, he does seem to have a degree of gravitas about him. And uh, I just hope the players respond. Yeah, no, absolutely. I quite like Patch, his way that he is with the media. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. And mm -hmm. if he's asked the question that he's already talked about, he, he will say that. And he sort of keeps the media on their toes. Gregor, I kind of feel quite sorry for him at times because he kind of asks a question and, and Nigel Pearson looks at him as if to say, well, you've already asked me this and I've already told you this and I'm not going to tell you team news and I'm not going to tell you who's coming back or who's what. And although we want to know that as fans, you also respect the fact that, yeah, we don't want the opposition knowing, you know, who it is and stuff. So, yeah, mm. that was really good. And yeah. I just want to speak to you about the sports bar and grill because obviously there's a supporters club section up at the top mm. of the stairs. Is that something that you guys use? I've used it. I've used it twice, I think. Yeah, I've used I think I used it once season before was it last season where they did a bean back of one of the games okay which we're able to see um but it, compared to the old club room it's 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 not very good space right um for supporters and you can't get very many many of your members in there oh, it's quite okay. limited i think we had about 200 or something that we could get into the old supporters club and where was that was that on, the, down end, on the, the end of the old grandstand yeah right okay yeah because I, I i always remember as a as a kid there was lots of like little little pubs little little slots like one in the in the dolman stand um on one end always used to intrigue me and i say to my dad boy can, can we go in there can we go in? i can't remember the name of the place you know it was it was in the corner with the atio and the dolman it had so many different names uh but one time once um Whenever the supporters club, in my experience, made uh, successes of the bars, the football club always looked at it with covetous eyes. And uh, they moved us from the uh, grandstand to that bar you're talking about in the Dolman. Right. And eventually then down uh, downstairs. As soon as that was recruited, they took that off as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Matt, any questions for you for the guys? I guess, obviously, you followed... For, for so long um, and watch so many different teams. Who are your, what are your standout moments when you follow the club? Promotion, some, you know, the 76 well, or? Yes, I, I, that, it would be that promotion to um, uh, the first division. Of course, we were both so much younger then. It, yeah. it, it means so much more. Uh, but one of the seasons I enjoyed the most was Terry Keeper's side that took us from the fourth division to the third division. It was such a wonderful attacking uh, array of people we had there, players we had there. Yeah. And also, we mentioned it earlier, because uh, because we almost went out of existence, the Freight Rover finals uh, took on more significance and more importance. So those are a few standout uh, yeah. moments for me. How do you feel, Tony? What about you? Well, I was thinking back, because this has given me a chance to reflect on my time as um, an avid follower of the Reds. I don't know, Robbins. And um, I, I remember watching John Atio scoring against Fulham in his last game. He scored two in that game. And the last one was to, I think he surpassed Dixie Dean's 
record for goals for one club. Right. Uh, I think it was 315 he scored for City. I think it was league games, actually. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but there was some dispute about whether he actually scored it because <laughs> it was from a corner, if I remember rightly. And there's a, I can visualise the picture in the, in the evening post of um, him in the air glancing this ball. And it's obviously the ball's gone. And they, they, they disputed where he headed it or what it was just a sweat that touched the ball and went <laughs> past his head. But it was recorded as his goal. How, and how good? Of course, then later on, luckily enough, we're, we, we met the, the great man. Because how good was along. he, Tony? Sorry? How good, how good was he? Because unfortunately, it was before my time. Just how well, good a player was he? And, and what would you, who in the modern game would you sort of say he's like? Is there a player that he's like? Well, he he was a bit like Alan Shearer for me. Right. Okay. That that's who I I think maybe I would I would uh, put alongside. He he um, obviously I didn't see him because I, what was I um, fifteen fourteen fifteen at that right. time. But when I first when I saw my first match, I think I was um, I think I was ten or eleven something like that. Um, and of course we used to go. I used to go there with my mate. On our own when we were ten or eleven. Yeah, you know, different world, wasn't it? it. My yeah. man was my my father was from Wales. He was more interested in rugby, right. so uh, we used to get there on the bus and watch watch the games. Um, and I remember the the slick back hair, and the, the barrel chest, and the, the the leather boots. You know, the ankle boots mm. uh, with the nailed in studs. Yeah, which yeah. I, I I got a pair of those for from a, when I used to play football at school. Right. What, what, and, sort of goals, um, what sort of goals did he score, Tony? Obviously, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer is one of my heroes growing up in terms of uh, you know strikers. He scored, he scored every type of goal. Because Shearer would just shoot from four, 30, 40 yards, wouldn't he, and just bang them in, yeah. free kicks, all sorts. He, he got a lot of goals with his head. He, he was very prolific with his head. He's a great header of the ball. And well, um, he, he was good at holding the ball up as well. Um, but he, he had a great fall in Brian Clark as well. Mm. Who, uh, who was the son of the great Don Clark? If I remember rightly. Um, of course, uh, Brian Clark eventually went to uh, Cardiff um, after Atiu finished. Right. Um, those are great, great memories for me, Brilliant. but from a long time ago, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, more recent memory. If you ask, probably, you know, same question to me. Um, there's obviously this more recent time, the season under Steve, Steve Cottrell, which I know is one of Matt's favourite seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the, the the Manchester games, you know, the Manchester United and Manchester City games in in, in recent times. Um, how how do they how do they equate for you, uh, Tony? First of all, in terms of the recent memories versus the older memories, is it? Is it, it, as you said, it means more to you when you were sort of younger and growing up and going to all the games? Well, it was it was great to see us be, uh, mixing amongst the best mm. when we played the Manchester clubs. And I, we were, were obviously in the top tier of the stand at the Etihad when we played that game. And to be 1-0 up at half-time <laughs> was just unbelievable. Yeah, and the incredible. noise. Incredible. The, yeah. the atmosphere of that game was just electric. Yeah. It was fabulous, and of course the, the 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 game previously when we when we beat uh, Jose Mourinho's United was <laughs> something it stamped in the memory. Also, Fantastic. I think the thing for me with both of those games, and when you when you look back historically at it, people will say, "Yeah, but it was a cup game," and you know they would have had weakened teams. 
neither Man United yeah. or Man City had yeah. weakened teams. You know, when you when you talk about Man United having Ibrahimovic, Pogba, Rashford, you know, it's it's it was their star players, wouldn't it? So, yeah, yeah incredible. Every so every, every so few years, you do have those moments. Mm. One of the great ones in the seventies, uh, Don Revis' side, the Leeds United side, were almost a nip, you know they 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 were winning everything. Mm. And um, we drew them in the FA Cup, drew them here at Ashton Gate, and uh, then won at Leeds. Now that was a that was a, a that was a great performance, a yeah. really good team as well. And, and uh, I also remember when we played Leeds in the Cup a few years prior to that, and we lost two 0 When Gary Sprake, and Gary Sprake was sent off for allegedly spitting at Chris Garland. Really, right. Right. That, that, that's one. And what's the other one? Um, I also went to see City play Spurs. That was in the Jimmy Greaves era. And um, our, our coach broke down on the way to the game. And I think we were about 20 minutes late. I think, everyone's, I think everyone's been on a City coach that's broken down. Yeah, well, well that, I think that was before the motorway or something. I can't remember. So it seemed to take ages to get to the game. And then when, when we actually got in the ground, we couldn't see anything. Um, I think we had a twice taken penalty, which was both missed, if I remember rightly. And um, but Jimmy Green scored both goals, and I really didn't see any of it. Why is that? Because of fog. Sorry. Why? Why couldn't you see no, it? That, sorry? Was, that was it at White Hart Lane. Yeah. Uh, no, because in in that the ground at that time, with the, the the bit that we went in, the 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 car, the space behind the terrace. Was lower than the terrace, oh. and you couldn't get onto the terrace to see anything. Oh, right. So I was trying to jump up and down to see what was going on. I couldn't see anything. Allow me. Uh, the, the game, in fact, the game at uh, the City Ground, uh, Alan Gilveen scored for Spurs, and then uh, Alan Skirton, I think, uh, scored for us to, to draw. And um, at that age, that was one of the great games I'd ever seen. And that, actually, yeah. that memory, those memories, that first semi-final will always stay with me. You've both seen a a massive transformation of Ashton Gate, obviously, to to what it is now. Uh, My my memories um, of of the big floodlights in each corner and before the Atio stand, but obviously you go back a little bit further. How how proud are you now of the the stadium that we've got, Tony, first? Um, It's fantastic. You know, what, what an upgrade from what we're used to. Um, you can actually get a drink at, you know, before the game. Mm. I mean, I don't know what you could do before, you know, before the game, um, before they built the, the stadium as it is. Obviously, we could go in the supporters club at that time. And of course, you had the Wedlocks pub on the corner and the pubs along Ashton Road. But uh, the, the ground is is fantastic is it, at the moment. Uh, all we need now is a team to go with it. My only sadness, I just wish it belonged to Bristol City. Because <laughs> uh, obviously it doesn't. Uh, but that that would be my only uh, reservation. Because yeah. ultimately we we could once the ground is sold and it will be sold eventually, we'll end up with a tenant there. And there may not be a necessarily a benefactor or uh, a benevolent um, board of directors then. In that terms, it'll be past our time. But yeah, there was so where the supporters club is now in terms of the bar that was supposed to be a museum at one point i believe that was supposed to be where the the city museum was going to go and i think it would be great to have some sort of artifacts in there of the you know the old floodlights and some of the old seats and trophies and things like that yeah we we started that we had um 
obviously not a museum, but we had um, a glass cabinet in the supporters club. And uh, funny, we've been talking about this recently. We didn't say where all the the um, exhibits went, but we had things like uh, John Attio's uh, Ireland shirt, which was the Ireland shirt, which he swapped with Dermot Curtis. Uh, I think it was the only time that two Bristol City players played in an international game against each other. Right. But they, they, swapped, they swapped shirts. Uh, we had Chris Garland's under 21 shirt, England shirt. And we had a lot of um, Wedlock's caps. And um, yeah. yes, yeah, so, so we, we actually did start along that route. Lots of significant programmes, such as the Freight Rover final, such as the 1970s uh, League Cup semi final. Uh, but we, we started to get some really nice uh, memorabilia together. So I think we, um, I think it's just parked as an idea. I think it's something that they will come back to. Um, I think they were just looking, maybe looking for somewhere to to have a supporters club bar, and and that was that that was a slot that was available. But um, I'd like to think that it would be revisited, and maybe even in, well, I don't know, the redevelopment of the Atio stand when that eventually happens, it might it might sort of find its way in there. But um, we're seeing you guys with your picture taken with the Freight Rover trophy, um, you know, it it made me think I. Have haven't actually been up close and personal with with the two trophies that we won under Steve Cottrell. Matt, have you? I did. Yeah, they they did a an evening. Um, I think through the supporters trust um, down at Ashton Gate. And yeah, I've got a photograph of me with the um, the league trophy. Are you holding um, them like that, you know? No, you weren't allowed to hold it. You had to sort of stand <laughs> by it. But yeah, um, and and you know, you you referenced it, Patch. For for me. I was fortunate enough when we got promoted. It was literally as I started, I was sort of five, six years of age. Um, so I saw a few games in the first division. I lived, as I've said to you on the, the recent Jerry Gow podcast, lived next, or not next door, but a couple of houses away from Jerry Gow. Um, so got to know Jerry. So, you know, my, my formative years, I was really fortunate to, to see that. And it, it's interesting, a, a friend of mine, who you guys, I think will probably know Roger Cook from the Supporters Club of Old. Um, you definitely know the face, but but Roger often sort of says to me, um, and he's probably your guy's age as well, his, his sort of biggest, I don't know, fear is probably the wrong word, but is he, he's not sure whether he's running out of time before seeing us get to the Premier League. And I just wonder, you know, do, do you guys feel that we, we're close or do you feel it's as far away as it's ever been? I think we're miles away. No, I, yeah. I, I agree with Tony. I don't, I don't think we're that close. But yeah. the problem is I'm... For me now, it doesn't matter so much. Uh, it might be a poison chalice if we got into the Premiership, and we could do a derby or um, or some uh, Sheffield United this season and yeah. get battered. Uh, but when you start supporting a side, it's normally for better or worse. It's almost like a marriage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're all, if we, if we're honest, the likes of us, the Rovers, Rochdale. Swindon, Halifax, whatever team, we're all that we also run. Mm. Uh, you all have good seasons, you have bad seasons, you have relegation seasons. But the important thing is uh, that, that you still support. The yeah. camaraderie, you meet your friends when you're down there. And yeah. uh, it's the social side of it, which is more important um, in the end than success on the pitch. It's being part of something. And uh, well, part of something for life, really. I said to, to Stoney Garnet, um, uh, I'm sure you know Stoney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said to Stoney, I said, have you been a City fan all your life? 
And he said, well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Stoney. Which is a really good answer. Yeah, it is. But do you, do you think, though, Jerry, uh, Gary, sorry, it, it's changed, hasn't it? The youngsters now expect immediate success. And and like you said, you know, I've I've grown up, that 82, you know, when you were so close to extinction, really anything after that is a bonus. And we've had some really good highs and we've had those massive lows. But I think now that the modern fan just expects success and expects Steve Lansdowne to pump millions and millions more in to get us there, and that's what it's all about. And and as you've said, it just isn't, is it? It is about, you know, I love the fact I follow a club that is like we are. We, you know, we've probably had more success than, than our, our blue colleagues. But, um, you know, the, the mm-hmm. thought of getting to the Premier League still, for me, I'm, I'm desperate for it. Well, just to I see look, us again there. But I, I look back because of this to um, the 81-82 uh, 80, season. and. I remember a few of us went to the Newport game, right. which was, I think it was the 30th of January. That to be our last game, or could have been our last game. It, yeah. it looked like it was going to be our last ever game. And I think it was 1-1 draw, Mick Harford scored. And um, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know what, what was going to, you know, the Ashton 8, whether they were going to, you know, fall in line with the wishes of the clubs and the fans. And they got some vile abuse, which was appalling. Yeah. Um, and after that, after the Newport game, we went back to the supporters club. And my binding memory of that night is Mick Carford yeah. scored a goal coming into supporters club with his polystyrene tray of chips and stood at a bar eating them. <laughs> and that, that was quite something. And of course, um, I think the, the, the game after we played, we played Fulham again. Yeah. And Fulham, Fulham seems to appear every time we've got something quite going for us. It was it was the first game after the Ashton Eight. It was what else was it? The 125th anniversary, and it was also the game that actually scored his his last goals. Yeah. So I, they, and I don't know about you, but I, I absolutely love going to Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is interesting in '82, when the club was on the verge of going out of existence, uh, a lot of people drifted away. A lot of City fans drifted away. But I can only speak for telling myself, we become stronger fans. I remember yeah. that night you said, well, the club is going to be reformed in some form afterwards. We'll just go along and watch that. Yeah. And um, I'm sure people in Halifax have done exactly the same. Or Wimbledon. When they Wimbledon, come, great show, yeah. If they'd come back again. And we would have done that. So it was um, it was a, a relief when it was uh, undoubtedly safe. Right. Well, that's what being a support, that's what is being a supporter is though, Gary, isn't it? It's that, Absolutely. it isn't just about the success. And, and that's why, you know, I, as we started off this conversation, I'm fortunate enough to, to to win the free season ticket for the first draw this time around. And the stick that I've got from some of the fans, but I've sort of said, it, it makes no difference. I'm a supporter. It, the fact that, you know, we haven't done well, I'm renewing my season ticket. Yes, I'm in a fortunate position that I can afford to do so, but... I'll always do that if I'm in that position because well, it's the club I support yeah, enough. Yeah, the, the, the fans will be there after the director. Yeah, exactly. They're long gone. Managers, players, there's only one yeah. constant in there with a football club. Exactly. Absolutely yeah. right. And uh, uh, when Tony said about uh, directors, once they're a lot of them in the recent history, once you, they've lost their directorship, you never see them again. No, it's true. Leslie Q, I often see Les Q um, in the game. Yeah. Yeah. 
I got a great, another great story. We we went to Hull uh, away match when we were on when I think it was when Gary was on the board, and it was uh, New Year's Eve. I forget which year. And uh, we went went out, out for the evening with um, the, the Pula board and Terry Cooper, and we we sat in a restaurant and we had, we had a great time. And I got a picture in my album of Les Q with a sooty puppet <laughs> making a strange making a strange face across the table. At everybody else. <laughs> the reason we did that was because um, some of the, the fans that supported the old supporters club said we were puppets of the board. Chaps, thank you so much for joining us. We're 10 minutes away from kickoff, so we need a, a comfort break and a, and a reload on the drink. So um, we're going to leave it there. But thank you so much for thank coming you, on. And we had a great time. Thanks a lot. I look time. forward, you, as we all do, to coming back to Ashton Gate next season. And I'll, I'll knock on the door of the supporters club and uh, join you for a beer if I'm allowed. Yeah. And be before we go, um, I hope the, the, the club is now working on the 40th anniversary celebrations of the Astronaut for next year. I'm sure they are, with the, especially with the, t with the shirt. Did, did you like the shirt and the, the, the nod to the Ashton Gate 8? Yeah, I, I bought the shirt, yeah. yeah. But I have to apologise. This one I'm wearing today, which is one of the old ones, they've never won while I've worn it. <laughs> well, get Take it that off. off. Take I'm that off, then. The <laughs> get, your Andy, get your Andy Feynman shirt on behind you. <laughs> Andy right. Feynman kindly sent that to us. Um, oh, wow. because we, sent, we sent him a get well message. Oh, oh lovely. Fantastic. And it's got a nice message on it. Again, Tony, that's the kind of thing that you don't ever hear about, see about. It's all the negative in it. And yet a, a player of his wealth and experience does something like that. Brilliant. He, he had it hand-delivered to the door. Brilliant. What a top player. There would be an opportunity sometime in the future uh, if we could actually speak about the players' reunions. Uh, mm. Because a lot of those players are not are no longer with us, sadly. But we've got some really wonderful stories about players' reunions. Well, oh, uh, it fits in well with um, one of the shows that, that I host is Robins Reunited, where I get two ex-players back together. Um, next week, I've got Nicky Bell and Brian Tinian, and the week after, Lee Peacock and Lee Matthews. So looking forward to to those. But um, yeah, absolutely. Further down the line, we'll, we'll, we'll sort that. To be fair, Patch, as well, the guys have probably got contacts from earlier eras. You know, maybe the, the first division team that might be able to put you in touch with that, a real Robins Reunited of old for, for the guys. As we speak. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Great stuff. Right, we're going to leave it there, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak soon. We'll be back after the break with our post-match reaction. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. you, guys. Take care. Paul Archer here from the Nexus Group. Hopefully by now you recognise our logo on the back of the lad's shorts. As a City fan and a Bristol businessman, I want to help as many companies as I can with their recruitment needs, especially as we come out of this awful pandemic and lockdown. And for any customer, new or old, that puts an order in with us before now, and the beginning of the next season will put you in a draw to win a VIP match day experience as guests of me and the Nexus team. Welcome back and thanks once again to the guys from the, the Bristol City Supporters Club for joining us for a bit of a, a walk down memory lane. Matt, another point. What a point, mate. Um, <laughs> in, in the way that that game panned out and in the, um, the stage of the season that we're at, that's a massive point. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. yeah, br brilliant. Yeah. Um, and just to touch on, um, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday, that, that result relegates them, which is, you know, that yeah. is, is crazy. Obviously, they started, yeah, but with, I believe with so, a, yeah. they started with minus 10. Was it minus yeah, 12? Yeah, but that got, I think it was minus 12. And then I think it got reduced to minus six in the end. Right. Oh, did it? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it got reduced down from what it was originally. I think it was minus six. 
Mm. Um, and I, I've I've not looked, but but Toby said on Robin's TV didn't yeah. that it it relegated them. But I think Wickham were winning, and I don't know if that came into play with that sort of scenario. I don't know. Right. Okay. Um, but I mean that but, that's yeah. that that puts a lot of players in the shop window, and we, I think we were we're already linked to Adam Reach in the last couple of days. Um, and Barry Bannon, obviously, he's a player that always scores against us, always plays well against us. Would you so take from. him? On, would you Would you take him? <laughs> do, do, do you know what, Patch? I think you you put it in the the WhatsApp group, didn't you? Um, I wouldn't, and and the reason I'm saying I wouldn't is because of his age and what he probably would command in terms of salary. Right. Okay. Um, and I think midfield is an area that, that obviously we've got players, but that said we don't have a player that sprays the ball around like he does. Not not since Tinian, in my view, if we had a player like that. Um, he bossed the game against today, didn't he? And as yeah, much as I really every, dislike... Every time. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. As much as I really dislike the bloke, and I do, um, every game we play against him, he bosses the game. Um, yeah. And if he doesn't if he doesn't stay at Wednesday and if a, other clubs are looking at him, um, and if he's prepared to drop down, I'm pretty sure that there's a, a League One club with a, a certain other challenge short um height challenged manager that uh that would be looking at him but yeah i don't i think he would probably be costing too much and that the age these are is another chris brun another chris martin well and you have to think as well if it next season goes according to plan we'll hopefully have a fit joe Wal- joe williams joe williams liam, liam walsh. walsh if he signs yeah absolutely okay um, but just he was quality he was yeah, quality. absolutely before we start as well just get well soon message to darren moore who's obviously in hospital um, and ex Bristol City player was Jamie manager Smith. for Sheffield Wednesday today. So um, yeah. Jamie Smith. Not sure how many games he played well, for us in the end. I'm going to um, open with a little bit of a, a tie-break question for you both. So okay. uh, I'll just bring in our guest, and that is Andy from the Bang Bang Podcast. Andy, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thanks, Patch, and um, uh, it's great to be here. Actually, I've listened to you guys for a while, especially this season with lockdown, and I've been following the bonus shows. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's nice to. And nice I've been be listening to you as well. Your yeah. your bang bang <laughs> podcast. Like I, uh, my guilty pleasure is is wrestling. Um, uh, Matt's, yeah. Matt's probably rolling his head at the moment. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's good fun and it's a great podcast. It's just two two guys chatting about wrestling, old school, um, having a beer. It, it's, that's that's part of it, isn't it? Is the drinking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It's but like is two- it- is it old school wrestling, Andy? And I'm talking, you know, Mick McManus and no, Big Daddy, oh, well, or are you talking your well, wrestling, which is acting, whereas that was proper wrestling? <laughs> well, we do we do touch on, I mean, we're both in our, well, Steve, I don't know, Steve, is, he's probably, my colleague Steve, I do the show with, he's probably late 50s, I'm early 40s. So we do talk about the old world of sport stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's mainly stuff from the 80s and the 90s. So right, you wouldn't okay. be impressed, Matt. But... Well, other than Holt, Holt Hogan, but that was more because of the Rocky Three movie. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think, mean, we, I don't think we go down this road, Matt, with you. If you <laughs> just switch off your microphone. I will do. You carry on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we are talk, yeah, talk about uh, football today. So um, my question to you boys is... Uh, Jamie Smith, ex Bristol City. How many appearances for Bristol City? Go on. I actually Andy. I googled this earlier on. Sixty-four, is it? Is it that many? Well, it's um, on Wikipedia. Forty-five appearances oh, yeah. and two I, goals. I, I would two have said goals. I would have gone thirty-five. Was what I had in my mind. Um, there we are. I think did we sign him from Crystal Palace? 
uh yeah well, did he go to crystal palace is one of the two i think yeah no it was um, it was uh he came from crystal palace via fulham on loan yeah. well, actually no fulham on loan was 1999 but 2004 to 2006 he was with us hmm. and then he went off to milton Keynes. but um yeah. right back i think wasn't he do you remember Four yeah. Back, yeah did a uh, brian yeah. Sinian sign him uh possibly yeah he might, have done, right. he might yeah. have done yeah he might have done i mean to be fair i'd rather he was right back for us today so <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. we'll get on to that <laughs> yeah. all right well let's go through the minutes then so um we've already we've already talked about the starting lineup andy with the with the guys earlier on um so third minute it was another early goal another set piece Semenya not touch tight to his man at the back post and then no one picking up borner who heads home uh come to you first andy how did you sort of see that goal was it uh, a case of bad defending yeah, well, I think they mentioned it on the commentary. Taylor mentioned it. Well, the the first header and the second, the first ball and the second ball, completely unchallenged from a set piece. Um, and you see again when you when you watch these games on TV, you see people holding shirts and getting really touched tight, and we seem to be kind of just stood off, looking around at each other, not very organised. But it's been a been a kind of theme of the last a few weeks slash months, and that we've given away these soft goals. Um, yeah, and often from a set continuation, piece. Yeah, yeah, often, often yeah. from a set piece. And Matt, for you, the, the set pieces they've been a real bane for us this year. Yeah, they have. I mean, when you've got quality delivery like Wednesday can can put in there, but but Tommy Rowe is touch tight with him. They're pulling shirts, and then he lets go of him, and and the guy runs in front of him, free header. I think Famara was slightly on his heels um, with getting a you know he was on the line and he was fractions away from it. But yeah, just an, another poorly defended um, set piece, wasn't it? Yeah. We didn't have to wait too long for our first shot on goal, though, today. After five minutes, a driven shot from Fami uh, to test the keeper. Um, it's great great to see when he, he when he gets hold of the ball. He's got a real pacey strike there, hasn't he, Andy? Yeah, he's, he's done a few of that, and he's taken it down. He's, was it the goal we had disallowed a couple of years ago? It, oh, that was a cracker. Wigan. Wigan. Yeah, when he yeah. turned, took it down, and belted it in, didn't he? But um, mm. that's the one thing about him. He doesn't kind of doesn't do that enough, does he? You know, mm. it's always when you see him do that, you think oh, he looks a player. And then you won't see him do that for two or three games sort of going forward. So were you surprised to see him start today? Because that was our only surprise really was seeing him started. It's the kind of the 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 lack of resources really because I don't think Wells has done anything to warrant starting in recent times. If Wells doesn't start through the middle well, I mean, whatever options have you got? You're either chucking mm. in Seiko or or um, one of the other young lads, yeah. or putting Antoine down the middle, which might, I think, eventually wear out, end up where Antoine plays. But away from home against three centre halves, I suppose Famara was the obvious option, even though obviously, you know, if we don't know where he's going to be next year, if he's going to be here or not. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. Um, seventh minute. Uh, nice build up, including some great pressing from Pearson, Rowe, and Semenya, which ends up with Antoine getting hacked. I think that was the, the technical term. Um, and it was a free kick, but it was good to see Matt that, that that early pressure, particularly from Pearson. He was the one who sort of set the tempo in that move. Yeah, he did. Um, and I thought he he, he showed up well again. Um, obviously, the, with what we'll go on to talk about, it changes your game plan. But yeah, it was a, it was a good move in. It was one of those free kicks where, you know, the, the game gets so many things wrong for me. The guy clearly just chops him down. There's no attempt for the ball. 
Um, it's the back of his leg, which could have, you know, could have ruptured an Achilles, anything. And he gets a booking. And yet mm. you'll see another challenge. And with obviously what then went on, um, it becomes, you know, a, a red card. And yeah, it's just not nice to see. And the, the bit that disappointed me a little bit there was that some of the pros in the city side, the, the boys that have been there, about, didn't go over and make a bit more of a deal about it like every other team against us do. Um, you know, protect your own. And that, that was a nasty challenge. Yeah. And from the free kick, it was actually a great delivery from Tommy Rowe. Um, look for Callas at the far post, but um, yeah, the defender just cleared it before Callas got his head onto it. But um, great to see a good delivery from a free kick. Yeah. Um, and then five minutes of, of madness for me. Uh, so on the 15th minute, Lansbury has an opportunity to give a simple pass to Backinson, but he opts for a 30-yard crossfield pass to Hunt. And Hunt's never going to get to that. It was overhit, and we lose possession. Um, then literally five minutes later, uh, this is a, obviously a, a talking point. You, you may have all, we may have all seen it very differently. But for me, here's my take. So Lansbury, red card. Why even put your hand up? Why even put your hand up to, to touch the crossbar or do whatever? Because his hand clearly goes up. Um, and uh, yeah, so so my 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 vision of it was that the ball hit the crossbar and then just went over. But because H- H- Lansbury's hand was in that vicinity, the, the, as you just intimated there, Matt, the Sheffield Wednesday players crowded around the referee, made loads of it, and he gets sent off. So come to you first, Matt, your, your views. So you're dead right with the ball um, earlier on in that move. Um, I've I've cited it on here and, and in my column for the post. Um, that's what Lansbury's about. He, he, he wants to play a worldie all the time. And I don't get it. I don't get it. That's that's not a good footballer for me. Um, in terms of then that that passage of play, obviously the, the, the ball's it into the ground, it loops up. Um, my initial reaction, and I've not changed it, was that it was handball. I've not seen a steal, and I, I've asked in our WhatsApp group if anyone had a steal, but I genuinely think he did flick it with his hand. Um, now, there's the bit around, like you've said, Patch, why give the ref a decision to make? It wasn't a natural jumping angle. If, if, if he was going to handle it, it was to actually push the ball over. Um, so why give the, the ref a decision to make? You know, I, I noticed Grange said on, on Twitter, um, one of the podcast contributors, contributors that, you know, maybe it was a natural thing to do. You're trying to, to stop the ball going in the net. Um, I think the game's changed so much over the years. You don't you don't see that very often now, do you? Someone trying to block it because you think you're going to go back, get back in the game. So for me, a completely clueless, unprofessional decision by Lansbury. Um, and I said two games ago he wouldn't play for me again. Um, and now after this, absolutely not. What's that? Um, uh, is that a two match, three match ban for? No, Campbell? just a one match ban. Just a one, one match it? ban. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Andy, your views. Yeah, very similar. I mean, in, in real time, it looked, it was one of those where it was like, did he, did he handball that? And then they showed the replay. And obviously, I don't think the ref had made a decision straight away. That he was kind of looking at the linesman, the players were in his ear, and then he kind of eventually put it to the spot and then just weighed the red card randomly at somebody. I didn't see it at the time it was who actually got back. I assumed it was probably was Jack Hunt who'd done it. I yeah, thought it was yeah. Callas. I thought, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but why? There, I mean, the guys in the commentary are making a big deal of it, saying, oh, it's an injustice and that kind of thing. And, like, why even look like you're attempting to do that? Yeah. Or it just, again, it gives, gives a ref a decision to make, doesn't the, it? The, the only thing I would say on it, Andy Apache, is for, for, for us, and we've seen it 
probably half a dozen, if not more times back. None of us are a hundred percent if he did or he didn't. How the how the ref in real time can be one hundred percent sure that he handled it, I don't know. And that's that that's the bit for me that isn't right. And as Andy said, it's probably the crowding of the Wednesday players around him, putting a bit of pressure on him. Um, so that's my only call out is I don't know that that ref could have been a hundred percent clear in his mind that it was a handball. But it was a, just a stupid decision, wasn't it? We've spoken a lot about uh, VAR on the podcast and the fact that we don't want it in the championship. But when there's a, a, a decision to be made along those lines, obviously we want goal line technology. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. But when there's a decision to be made like that, where there is a, so much uncertainty and it's not someone's armpit putting them offside, that is a, that is a case where VAR you know, should come into play, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I guess you, you get into the realms then of when when do you use VAR, when do you you don't use VAR, don't you? I, for, for me, it would be um, goal line technology, 100%, and then VAR, I'm not, I'm not interested in. Um, okay. I like the fact the refs can make a decision and get it wrong. Um, well, yeah, you know. but as you say, unless you're 100%, yeah. you know. And, you and I don't be... know how, he, I mean, the fact that we've seen all we've seen, none of us are, I don't know how that ref, and it's in particular the linesman, I don't know how they could have been 100% to, to award it like that. Yeah. So uh, he does get sent off, but it's a great save. And Taylor Moore called it, as he pointed out afterwards, that uh, that this one was going to be saved by Dan Bentley. And with Barry Bannon stepping up, I, I actually thought he was going to plant it in the net. So fair play to Dan Bentley. Um, your, your thoughts on Dan Bentley this season, Andy? How important has he been? I mean... Again, like they said on commentary, the amount of points you saved us. I think I've got a bit of a thing with goalkeepers. It's it's great if you've got goalkeepers who I'd rather have a um, a seven out of ten goalkeeper every week rather than a. I mean, like in recent games, he's made mistakes, and they've they've actually. I think back to the the Bournemouth game where the, obviously we got the goal ahead just before half time, and then we end up letting in the soft one, which he was at fault for. Um, so I think he's he's good, but there's probably a reason why he's playing for us rather than somebody better than us. If he was having these sorts of games every week without dropping these rickets, which cost us points, he probably would be playing a you know at a higher end championship team, sort of lower lower level Premier League team, I think. Um, so there's that kind of thing of having a steady, solid goalkeeper. As opposed to like today, really, other way the game ended up, he probably he won us the game in theory, or oh, well, won us the game, or well, got us a point anyway. Um, but I do, I do like him. I just think there is if, and there's probably a reason Brentford sold him as well. To be honest, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, he's been as our Mister Consistent on the ratings, and when we did, we cast our vote for Player of the Year earlier today on the Bristol Supporters Trust, Bristol City Supporters Trust Twitter page. Um, surely Dan Bentley's going to be player of the oh. season. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no one else came into my mind for that. No, no one else. Um, yeah, and he's but he's been he's been probably given a lot more to do this season because it's not been the greatest greatest season, Matt. Yeah, um, and actually, it's funny. I wanted us to sign him years ago when he was at South End. Um, and when we did sign him from Brentford, he'd actually had a poor run of form for Brentford. Very similarly to a couple of the, the rickets he's made for us where he'd come for a cross and, and miss it. Um, I can honestly say, I think since he's been with us, I can only recall two, maybe three 
rickets where it was really poor goalkeeping. Um, and then when you look at the likes of, and, and I agree with what Andy's saying, but when you look at the likes of De Gea, Jordan Pickford, mm. they've made far more many mistakes than that. And I'm not saying he's in their league at all. But I, I actually think that a, a Prem team may very well come in for Dan Bentley in the summer. I really do. Um, maybe one of the ones going up from the championship. Norwich, I mean, they've got Tim Krul, but he's coming to the end, you would think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think he's been outstanding for us. And and the penalty save, you know, it's always one of them, isn't it? If the, the, the keep, if he doesn't, if he goes the wrong way, if he dives the other way, no one, mm. no one's going to say, oh, why didn't he save it? So the keepers <laughs> on always on a hiding, you know, they're, they're, they're heroes, aren't they? And if it goes in, then no one really bats an eyelid with it. Yeah. But I thought it was a good save. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys completely about this year and being the. Uh, you know, by far our best player this season. And, um, but, but it, just in the back of my mind, it's always got that kind of, and those tend to be, again, I mean, that, that, that game against um, uh, Bournemouth, Bournemouth. Uh, in the, in the, so when we, you know, you let that goal in, you kind of think that, that kind of, we'd had a good run, I think, and yeah. we'd gone ahead in that game, gone one nil up, and then we ended up losing that game. And even I think the, the second goal in that game as well was a, it's quite a soft corner and it went in quite, you know, and you kind of think those are the moments in seasons where it kind of, and you need, I mean, he, he again, he, you know, there's other people have been a lot more at fault at certain times than he has yeah. this season. But again, it's like fun- you said, when it's the goalkeeper, it sticks out more, doesn't it? Exactly. It's funny you know? because if, if you look at the chances that we've missed from a forward yeah. point of view, none of us kind of talk about that, do we? And that, oh. that's the nature of the beast being a goalkeeper. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, that is the way that it is. Yeah. We've also yeah. spoken yeah. about the importance of having a, having a, another number one, like Max O'Leary breathing yeah. down your neck. Um, yeah. And I think, I, I think that uh, Bentley should give a nod to Max O'Leary in his acceptance speech for his player of the year award, because, you know, when you've got competition like that, and that's probably where we've fallen down most of the season in other place in other areas of the team where that lack of competition is. Yeah. Um, Moving on then 24th minute. So uh, before we move on, actually, that's obviously the team has to change now. So, uh, I mean, Semenyo dropped into into the midfield, didn't he for in the main part. um, And it just leaves Zizou up top by himself, which, you know, is something that he's done before, but it's not, it's not going (laughs) to enable us to, to, to play the attacking football that we were looking to play. I think Han dropped back a little bit as well. Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. him, him and Tyreek were told to, not to push on as as much, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It, did, it cha- just changed the game plan completely, didn't it? Mm. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. You've got Taylor on as a pundit and he's being asked, sort of, you know, would you make a change if you were Nigel Pearson? And would you... Well, I'm not Nigel Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Thanks for that insight, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. um, so 24th minute, uh, the Barry Bannon show, he ran through five City players. Um, looks, you know, apart from the hair, looks a bit like Messi jinking through. And unfortunately, you know, his finish isn't, isn't anywhere near Messi. Couldn't quite bend it round uh, into the goal with his left foot. But um, just, just goes to show, you know, what he's capable of. And I mean, we've already covered, would you sign him? at the start but uh he offers something that i don't think we've seen at bristol city for quite some time andy no i mean you have to sort of take into context this, this season i looked at it earlier i think he's got uh, maybe two goals and six assists this season um, right okay so he doesn't 
Is, is it just when he to, plays against us then? Is I it? I think it may well be. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, like Matt said earlier, Johnson would always pick him out, wouldn't he? As being, oh, we got to watch out for Barry Bannon. Afterwards, he'd be like, um, Barry Bannon, what a player. Um, but like today, I think it helped. He was kind of he was dominating the game. Obviously, when they went down to when we went down to ten men, mm. he just walked around basically on the on the edge of just you know yeah. in, in the edge of the sort of halfway line. Knocking Marshall's balls around. the middle, doesn't he? And just sprays yeah. it around, goes for a little drinking runs. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, but yeah, but I mean he but he always does seem to play well against us. We've always had these players over the years, haven't we? Always yeah. seem to turn in seven and eight out of ten against us on a regular basis until we sign them, and then yeah. they normally end up being useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We always used to joke, you know, if you get Thierry Henry down, stick a city shirt on him, you'll turn to Yeah. Toilet. Yeah, um, 36 minute. Uh, it was a great cross from Barry Bannon to the back post, and Patterson hits the bar. I think it was Patterson, but um, again, great delivery, and you, you're almost two 0 down at that point. Um, then we had an attack. So 37th minute, it was great to see Sam Pearson with some composure and getting a shot away. It was a ball over the top, which was well watched by Sam, um, who controls it and gets a shot on target. Matt, yeah, I think it was uh, Zach Viner and. Um... Taylor had called it about the, the fact Wednesday were playing the three at the back and that was where we would have to kind of try and get at them down the, down the sort of channels. And yeah, it was, it, it, it was interesting. The bit I picked up on was you could see Tyreek running into the area as Sam Pearson took the shot and, and Tyreek gave him a little bit of a, a blast in afterwards. And then I was, I genuinely thought, well, that's a bit harsh, you know, he's, he's got a shot away there. Um, and then when I watched it back, you could see from the, the behind the goal angle, you could see Tyreek screaming for the ball and there was no one near him. So actually, oh, had really? Sam picked it up, you know, I could understand then why Tyreek did have a go. But great to see and, and nice to see Sam Pearson taking that sort of, you know, I talked about last week, didn't we? The, there was one opportunity where he fed Naki Wells in when probably could have taken a shot. Mm. Um, so it's good to see him taking a shot in, in that instance. Yeah. But good, Again, good, good move. With all of the, the youngsters coming through, including Semenyo, it's uh, decision-making that, that comes, you know, comes with time. And, and it's another example of why it's so annoying. And I'm getting to, I'm getting to the end of my tether, if I'm honest, watching, watching the games on TV and not being able to watch them live. Cause we, you know, we couldn't see that Tyreek was in that good position until that's obviously till that replay. And also that, that horrible shaded area at the, yeah. <laughs> on the near side of the pitch, you know, the ball goes into that. You can't see what's going on. Uh, rant over. Right. Here's another rant. Half time from Rob. Oh dear. We really don't help ourselves. Dreadful goal to give away with the defense sleeping at a corner was never a penalty, but Lansbury was foolish to even stick his hand up towards the ball. So openly in view. However, the referee just crumbled to the Wednesday players' appeals. Reasonable thereafter, considering the mismatch in numbers, but wouldn't be surprised if Palmer comes on for Pearson and we go 4-3-2. Um, your thoughts overall on the first half, Matt? Um, it's always going to be difficult when you go down to 10 men in, and in the manner of going down to 10 men, because they obviously did feel aggrieved. But I, I thought we, we worked hard without the ball. Um, but again, when we got the ball, we didn't look after it well enough. And so we were under pressure again. Um, and let's be fair about it. Wednesday had a couple of very good opportunities that, that they probably should have done more with. Um, but you couldn't fault the effort from the, the, the 10 that were out there um, once Henry Lansbury had gone off. 
Um, so, you know, I, th I think Taylor again kept saying on commentary, it was really important that we got to half time to then, you know, tweak whatever we wanted to tweak and, and have the necessary discussions. But um, yeah, I, th I thought they did okay. I mean, obviously, it almost felt like the game was over for us and it would, would a question of almost how many. Mm. Um, and I kind of switched off a little bit in terms of, I didn't think we were going to get anything out of it. Although I did have a little bet on us to win it because the odds were quite good. Uh, what, um, when we were 1-0 down? When we were 1-0 down, yeah, 25-1, uh, okay. to one, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a, a reasonable first half performance in view of the circumstances. Mm. Yeah, Andy, for you, um, obviously we'll come on to talk about the second half in a second. Um, and it was a half where uh, Backinson had a great, well, a good first half. But uh, he's been he's been someone who's been who's had a real roller coaster season, hasn't he? He started really well, then he had COVID and nev has never really come back to the way we saw him in the early days. But today we saw certainly saw signs of it. I mean, I think like, like you guys were saying, once we went down to 10 men, we went to that kind of midfield four. And if you look at the, the age of that midfield four, it was what, um, Pearson, Semenyo, Masengo and Backinson. If you compare that to their midfield, I mean, there's no comparison in, in terms of experience. Um but I thought, yeah, I thought he did well. He's, he's, he's a frustrating player at the time, isn't he? Because, again, he, similar to a lot of our players, he'll have games where he looks... Again, this is going to come with being young and, you know, being inexperienced as well. He has games where he looks on it and he looks really, really good. Then other games, he'll get hooked after an hour and, you know, have been pretty anonymous. Uh, but I thought he stood up, especially when he went down to 10 men today. Here, I wore, as we go into the second half, I thought Han and... and uh, Tyreek where you know, they almost grew into the game and, yeah. and definitely matched up to their um, their opponents uh, but yeah like yeah, you said it's been stopping starting. you don't know it doesn't help having obviously having two managers over the course of a season mm. and we don't know he's been in that with Pearson a little bit hasn't he and so but I, I mean he stood up well today definitely I, I saw a, a performance from him after the sending off of maturity where he actually looked to take the ball forward. He showed my, my thing with Ty of late and we were big fans early on patch. Weren't we? My thing of him of late, he's played in a quite a, a languid casual kind of manner. And today he didn't, he played with a real purpose and intensity. Um, and, you know, again, you forget not only age wise, he's young experience at this level mm. and that's massive. And, you know, you're right to call it, Andy. He's playing against midfielders of the like of Barry Bannon, who's been probably the most outstanding midfielder in the championship for the last three or four seasons, hasn't he? Um, so that will do him the world of good. Uh, I thought it was really point. impressive. Yeah, great point, Andy, in regards to the average age of the midfields. Obviously, we don't know the average age of the Sheffield Wednesday midfield, but um, certainly, if I had to guess, five, five, maybe even six years older, um, and yeah, that obviously having say Lansbury in there, but um, you know he he was someone who would maybe bring that age up a bit, but he wasn't in there for for very long. <laughs> no. But that's the thing. That's the thing. That's what people frustrated with him playing as well. Because I mean, with the best will in the world. I mean, last week I, I thought he was winning my over slightly. Last week after the game against Forest, he was but, sort um, of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, like we, we I know like Pearson's mentioned about not wanting to shut the kids in, but I don't think you could turn back in Cinema Sengo in the same kind of brackets as your 
Pearsons and Tarlers and those sort of ones. So those guys should be should be playing every week now, especially now when when the, literally the only other option probably is Lansbury. Um, we got Adam Nage as well. Oh Nage, yeah, I mean yeah. we forget about Adam Nage. I don't mean I mean that's another yeah. <laughs> that's another yeah. story. But yeah, but you want to see that. I mean that's the future, isn't it? Hopefully is and yeah, yeah they stood up really well. With um, you know, with Walsh and Williams still to come back into the mix. Yeah, yeah. Okay, into the second half. I've not got a mass a mass amount of notes, if I'm honest. I've got the first note I've got is the substitution. So uh, it was great to see Jana come on um, to give him a good sort of 35 minutes. So he came on for Pearson, Jiju came on for Wells, and Cessnion came on for Semenyo. Um, Matt, your thoughts on those substitutions on the 55th minute? Yeah, good to see um, Jana sort of back in a city shirt. Um, I say back in a city shirt. He was kind of poised to, to feature for the, the first team when he, when he got injured and stuff. Um, obviously, then kind of playing out of position and again playing against 10 men, so you're not seeing him in his true way you'd expect. Naki Wells coming on. You know, I've got to say to Famara as well, he put a hell of a shift in the game, um, playing up front on his own like that on a, on a really hot day as well, which comes into it. Um, so I think that was more down to tiredness. So it was good to see Naki come on. And then Antoine, um, I was slightly disappointed with today. I didn't think we got enough out of him today. But again, difficult because he's doing more of a defensive role after the sending off. So again, you could understand why the substitution for him was made. So um, what I liked was that it was three positive changes, wanting to get some out of the game and not just see the game out um, and mm-hmm. taking a 1-0 defeat, which sounds crazy, but... Um, you know, some managers do do that, don't they? So, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good timing by Pearson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, are you are you ex- excited at the prospect of um, of Pearson staying? And given that he is clearly trying to blood in some of these young players, I mean, I think most of it, I, I'd imagine oh, it, it may have changed recently, but initially everybody was was fully behind Pearson being appointed and. I still think most people now would still be happy for him to to stay. That's that's the hope. Um, and then going forward the next season, it may be a case of if we're not able to bring players in, I mean, maybe shedding a few as well, that you want to get a um, a core of these young guys in around the first team squad every week. But I think, again, like bringing on Seiko today, it, it, was, it was great, but he's kind of being asked to do a job, which is, you know, he's played up front for a bit now. Today he was playing out wide as an attacking free, but a lot of the time he was tracking back and working hard and doing the defensive side of things. And I think that, again, a lot of the thing with, with these guys is, is we don't, hopefully once we get a, a, a more settled squad, we might get a more settled system and these guys might have a sort of more of an understanding of how we're trying to play rather than like, well, you know, you're quick, you're strong, we'll put you out wide, you can do the track and you can kind of, but um, yeah, the, the, yeah, the crop of young guys coming through, mm. but is that whole thing of what do we want to do next year? People will be thinking, yeah. well, what's, what are people's aspirations for the next season going to be? If it's going to be for challenging for promotion, challenging for the playoffs, finishing in the top half, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to do that with having this core of youngsters featuring on a regular basis. Yeah, you've got to have the balance, and um, yeah. I think I think that that Nigel Pearson, fingers crossed, he stays on, will bring in some of that balance uh, and build on what we've got. But Matt, obviously, Steve said to us on the podcast uh, back on Good Friday that 
you know, in a few weeks, he would be coming over to speak to Nigel Pearson. Obviously, we know he came over, but that appears to have been to speak to um, Mark Ashton and sort do, that out. But he must have obviously met Nigel at the same time. Do, do we know that he came over, though? And the only reason I say that is I know there was a lot of talk about it, wasn't it? I think it was last Monday. Um, and people are even putting the flights, you know, that were, were coming from Guernsey. But Nigel Pearson kind of made reference to the fact that they speak all the time in when it's appropriate for Steve to come over from Guernsey, he would. And that was only sort of Thursday. So I actually don't think he has been over yet. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, I thought I'd seen it reported somewhere. Yeah, and... I think. It, and it was. It was reported in a lot of the press that he was coming. Right. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Or I say pretty sure. I, I gauged from Nigel Pearson's comment the other day, he hasn't because you would fully have expected him to have met him, wouldn't you? I think we should get you a job at Bristol Airport just so you can just keep an it. eye on the situation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah happy so, days. But, you know, it, it is two weeks since we spoke. Mm. Um, and I think he did say a few weeks, so that could be two or three. But yeah. how much longer do you think this will go on for, Matt? Do you know what? I think if Nigel Pearson is said to him, look, Steve, absolutely, we need to get in front of each other. But 100%, I want to be here next season. Not interested in other jobs. You know, if you want me, I'm here. He doesn't need to rush over and meet him, does he? And, and yeah. it's, you know, we, we always fans, you know, we, we like to think we know what's going on. In, but we, we don't know any of those conversations that have gone on. They may even have already agreed it, but they're not going to announce anything until they get a face-to-face. You know, when, when Steve said that on the podcast, we then had fans saying, patch on sort of comments to it. Well, why you need to see him face-to-face? It's, you know, you can do Zoom and all the rest of it. Well, of course you want to meet him face-to-face. You need to see someone in the flesh, don't you? And it's, it's easy to portray something on a, a camera, but when you see it, see yeah. him at work and see him on the training ground in. So I, I do think it's a matter of time. I think Nigel Pearson is making all the noises about being here for the future. Um, so it would be a, it would be a, an absolute shock for me. Um, if he's not in charge next season, it really will. Mm. Okay. Um, so 73rd minute chance for Backinson. It was a, a good driving run forward. He sort of laid it into Naki Wells, who got upended. And whether he sort of went down too easily or not, or was just trying to win a free kick, but it, it did land back with Backinson. And, you know, it was a shot, shot at goal. And it's great to see him him having a, a go from range. And obviously in the same breath, we move on to the 87th minute where it, he actually put it in the net. And it, it was a fantastic goal. It was a uh, an assist from Cessignon, just laying it off, simple to Backinson. He just knocked it to, knocked it to one side and right-footed. Uh, a fantastic goal. And, and if we can see that more often, getting those shots away, Andy, it's it's great to see, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I missed the goal as well. Have you let the listeners into the reason why I missed the goal? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I messaged him to say, if you can join on the final whistle. And then he said, well, I, I better go and visit the lavatory now. So um, unfortunately, Andy missed it live. But uh, I think I gather you've seen it now. <laughs> I saw it back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this, uh, there's, uh, there's a few times in the first half where um, we had opportunities to have a go from distance. And we seem to take a step back or look for the pass. So when those things like that, it's almost a shock sometimes that you kind of you realize he's got that in him and he can do that. Um, but, but yeah, again, I it's, mean, it's adding adding knobs and bristles on to to his all round game, isn't it? It's it's having that um, being given that opportunity and that drive by a manager to maybe have a go now and again, Matt, isn't it? That uh, that it gives him that license to to, to try out these sorts of things. 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because his goal um, away at Barnsley um, was a stroke from from sort of the, coming into the area, wasn't it? But we've not really seen him do too much of it. Now he scored a goal like that. I would expect the coaching staff and Nigel Pearson to be saying, "There you go. You 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 know you you can prove to yourself. You've got that in the locker." Let's see you start doing it. And I think the same with Han Noah. I think Han Noah needs to be trying more of that. And we've seen some of that in recent weeks. Um, but you, you're, it's, it's something probably that's been levered at City for the last maybe five, six seasons that we don't take enough shots from outside the box. And we just don't. Um, so hopefully that will be something that changes. Certainly the likes of Joe Williams, Liam Walsh would bring more of that to the, the, the party. Um but it was a it was a great goal. It really was. I mean, it was worthy of a point, wasn't it? He couldn't have struck it any sweeter. Um, and again, was was for me that maturity of Tyreek's performance, where he was pushing and striving to go forward and make something happen. Um, I thought, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great to see. Um, and it's something that we, you know, we we had with um, Josh Brownhill. Marlon Pack towards the end was taking more shots from goal, but it's it's great to see those goals coming from the midfield. And you know, it, it's it's always you expect your your top two, your Juju and Wells, to get the goals, but it's always a bit more rewarding for me when you when you start chipping them in from the field, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, we we kind of when we had that core midfield of like Corey Smith, Marlon Pack, Josh Brownhill, there was never enough goals in that kind of three, were there? Really, no. Pack, like you said, he every now and again he'd unleash one or he'd curl a free kick, and then Josh Brownhill would be good for five, six, seven a season. Uh, Corey never got many, but that, yeah, that's one part of the team. We, we used to he never got many, teams. but he got the best one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were good when he did score. They were good. Um, but yeah, that's the thing you need. If you're going to be successful, obviously you need goals from all over, don't you? Yeah. hundred percent. So, I mean, that's it pretty much takes us to the end. We had a, a cameo from, from Casey Palmer in the 88th minute coming on from Masengo, but um, not quite sure if he touched the ball, but um, yeah, it's, it's a point. And the fact that we were one goal, one goal down, down to 10 men, it's a point to celebrate in my book, Matt. It is. I mean, I've seen a couple of tweets and I've commented on one um, where people are sort of talking about the fact of where Wednesday are in the league. Um, and, you know, it was a poor performance, lacking in quality again. Um, you know, what are we doing celebrating a point? And, and I've put 100% I'm celebrating a point there. You're down to 10 men against a team fighting for their life with the history that Sheffield Wednesday have got. And actually the players they've got, you know, Bannon, Reach, Patterson, Rhodes on the bench, uh, Kunchunga, whatever his name is, on the bench. They've they've got quality in that team. So um, yeah, I, I I felt it was um, absolutely worthy of celebrating a point, and actually could be the point that does mean we're in the championship again next season. Um, you know, you could have a, a really bad run still to go. So every point at this stage is important. Um, so yeah, I, I think huge credit to those players that came out at the end. Um, and, and pulled it back against 10, you know, sorry, with 10 men. Um, yeah, I was I was delighted. Yeah, so um, I was quite looking forward to going to Wickham this season. Uh, so that's the next game, Wickham away. Have you uh, been before? I haven't. No. Uh, yeah, don't 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 worry about looking forward to it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't. Oh, nothing uh, nothing to, an, to look forward to. Another ground tick off. Ticked off, yeah. If, if Actually, nothing. I, I have to say, it's it's a good um, I've, I've experience. Uh, yeah, I've probably been a good half a dozen times over the years, and 
yeah, it is a good experience. But yeah, getting there, parking is a bit of a nightmare. Um, it's quite scenic, yeah. isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. It is. But yeah. it's um, it's seven o'clock kickoff on Wednesday. So oh, is it um, we're Wednesday this week? Are we? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Wednesday the twenty first, seven o'clock. Um, yeah. So what, what did they finish in the end, Wickham? They were. Two, they were two nil up, and it, um, I know it went back to two two. I don't know if it finished two two. Have a little um, look, but uh, yes, yeah, it did. Yeah, it's uh, it, I. It was a great playoff final for the League One playoff final with uh, Akin Femwa and you know, that little back bouncing forward he had with um, Jurgen Klopp. Um, but yeah, no, it's a shame that we won't be able to to go to that game. But are they still are they still playing for survival, or are they actually are they actually down? Well, I guess I mean that's interesting because if if the commentary said that Wednesday were relegated, Wickham are two points below Wednesday um, mm. on the same number of games. So, okay. on that basis, then then they're down. So, so it could be um, a could be an interesting game on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I saw that Norwich have been promoted first time around, which right. no, no surprise there, is it? So, uh, yo yo club, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does with the team. Obviously, Lans- Lansbury's mm. suspended now. So, whether whether Adam Naj comes in or Palmer comes in, Palmer. changes the formation. Yeah. What would you do? Um, female youngsters through. No, I'd probably bring I'd probably bring Palmer in rather than Nash. Okay. Um, just have a, that little bit of creativity. Um, have a bit at the yeah. top of the diamond. Let's get. Yeah. Let's see. A, let's see more than one goal. I think Wednesday would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, lovely stuff. Um, Matt, let's come on to the ratings. And uh, I'm interested, as I think every listener is, to see what you give uh, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dan Bentley um, couldn't do anything with, with the goal, really. It was a you know, decent crossing. Um, then obviously makes the penalty save, which basically helps get us the point, doesn't it? So um, a penalty save is, is decent in anyone's book. So it's, it's got to be... Um, a seven, you could argue an eight, really, but I'm I'm going to go seven because I don't think he had too much else. Actually, no, he made a really good save in the second half as well, didn't he? Mm. It kept it there. So, so maybe an eight if I'm feeling generous. Um, Andy, for- feel free to chip in and challenge at any point. Yeah, 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 no, yeah I, please. I yeah. had for all I said about Bentley, I, I had him as an eight as well. So. Yeah, there you go. Then. Oh, yeah, and we we didn't yeah. know that, so there we go. I'll get we'll go with yeah. an eight then. We'll go yeah. with an eight. Fullback wise. Um, Again, I, I have to temper these sort of marks because they were 10 men and they were then up against it a bit more. I didn't think Jack Hunt or Tommy Rowe did a huge amount. I thought Tommy Rowe was at fault for the goal uh, or partly at fault for the goal. There was another ball that came over in the second half that he was under it um, and led to another sort of shot. Um, I didn't think it was great. I didn't think Jack did... Um, anything going forward of any note um he was on dead balls and I, and I put in our whatsapp group he'd never be a million years million yards near a dead ball for me I think his delivery is dreadful um so I'm actually going I'm going two fours for them uh, arguably two fives um but I don't I didn't think either were great if again because of 10 men I'll be generous and go two fives but I don't think they were great and it's only because of the 10 men really Okay. Yeah, I had two fives as well, Matt. Did you? Okay. Like you said, when in a game like that, where where fan was fighting and scrapping for these yeah. fouls, and then those set pieces were it's unforgivable. Yeah. yeah. When you're scrapping for something in a game with ten men, and, and you get the opportunity and, to put a ball in. 
Yeah. And really both glad. of them have got Pat Patchney's is my my absolute um bugbear with Jack Hunt. Both but both of them did it today, where they just chip aimless balls up the line, which if the attackers even to win it has got to really control the ball and then do something with it. Um, but I thought both were equally as poor today with it. And for me, a hundred percent, whatever positions we strengthen in the season in the preseason, full fullbacks have to come into that equation. Um, you know, on both sides. And um, I, I personally, I definitely wouldn't be offering Jack Hunt a new contract. Um, Tommy Rowe, potentially from a squad point of view, but actually all things being equal, you wouldn't expect us to have another season like we've had this year with injuries. Um, and Tommy doesn't then get anywhere near my first team. So, you know, when, when you're looking at saving money COVID-wise, I probably wouldn't be offering a contract to Tommy either. Um, and he's actually done really well this season, but taking sentiment out of it, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, the two centre halves, I thought, stood up and did did quite well. Um, a lot of balls into the box that they had to head away. So for me, Callis gets fifteen. Um, I thought he was superb. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just clear that up as well? Because there will be there will be the usual conspiracy theorists because we had Steve Lansdowne on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, and because of of my sort of column in the uh, the Bristol Live, um, it, it was a draw. I, I renewed my season ticket last week and it was a draw. Um, I got a phone call completely out of the blue from a mobile number I didn't know it was from. And the call is what you can see on social media. None of that's been edited. Because um, if it had been, I'd have asked if they'd have edited the bit out where I called him Captain Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, listening back, I was like, oh my God, what are you, 12? Um, but yeah, it was it was completely. And then I spoke to the supporters liaison officer yesterday, Jerry, Um and Jerry sort of saying that when the draw was made, Dave Barton said to him about, oh, do you know Matt Withers? And, and then he explained <laughs> about the Bart- podcast and everything. Dave Barton burst into the room and said, no! Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> redraw, redraw. But um, yeah, so, but but for, and a lot of it was tongue-in-cheek, to be fair, the ones that were sort of fixing and everything yeah. else. And, and I know that. And I've had some really, really nice comments as well. So, yeah. No, yeah. no Matt, it is really well-deserved. You've been travelling home and away now for the past 763 years. So, um, so no, <laughs> it, congratulations. It, it's well deserved. It, at the end of the day, mate, it's not it, it, you know for me it isn't about deserving, is it? It's, it's just a raffle, you know. And I, I was luck, the lucky winner, but it's nice to think that yeah, over the years. The ironic thing was I, I treated my mum to her season ticket. My mum's sort of got me introduced it along with it with my dad all these years ago. Um, oh, so I said to my mum a couple of weeks back, you know, I, I, I'd had a bonus in work. I'll get your season ticket this season. Awesome. And she was like, no, 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 no. And I said, yeah, no, no, I will. And then, yeah, so it's quite nice. That- <laughs> yeah. So it, arguably it's me mum who gets it's it. Well-deserved. Really. So, yeah, well-deserved for your mum as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Thomas Callis, 15, and uh, man of the match for the rest of the season. But <laughs> no, um, I, I thought him and, and Zach Viner actually stood up really well. Probably um, didn't do as much with the ball as we we sort of would, would like to see. But I thought both were... In, in the face of, you know, constant barrage. Um, so for me, two sevens for those two. Okay. Um, yeah. Before you go on to Lansbury, I've got I've got the screenshot. I don't know if you can see. Well, that looks like it's his hand, doesn't it? Well, to me, it looks like it's hit the top of the crossbar. Do you, do you not think, see, I, I, I look, that to me looks like his fingers are touching the ball. But why is his fingers even up there in the first exactly. place? Yeah. But so, so the, I mean, the argument is as well, the intent is there to block the ball going in the net with his hand, isn't it? Oh, God. So the it, looks like, um, it looks like violent conduct as well to me. So that'll be three games. On it. <laughs> <laughs> violent conduct but, on the crossbar. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, 
going back to Lee Granger's point about it being a um, you know an automatic reaction. I think there's a difference if you're in the middle of the goal yeah. and you save it. Yeah. To, yeah. But to actually jump up and try and tip it over that way just seemed a bit strange. And I guess case in point, did Lansbury argue with the referee? No, didn't. No. Didn't seem to, did he? So that again makes you think, doesn't it? But yeah. Very, um, very strange decision. Very, very strange. On on that basis and, and on the basis he was only on 10 minutes, you know, I'm, I'm not going to score Lansbury. I think we should score him. Do you, well, if, if I'm if I'm scoring him, then it's got to be a two. Yeah, you know, and that's the lowest. That's the lowest I've ever given. So yeah, it's got to be because it was it was it was he did nothing before and then got sent off. So yeah, um, into to midfield. Um, so Tyreek was my man of the match. Um, and yes, probably the goal came into play on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought he was driving forward. Um, you know, it was a great finish and and he was trying to, there were a couple of times where he, he tried to, to play the ball inside the, you know, a, a nutmeg in, he was trying to be quite expressive. Um, so yeah, I thought his work rate as well. Um, so he was, is an eight for me for, for Tyreek. Yeah, happy with that. Yeah. Han Noah, um, I thought again, all energy um, was a, you know, his, his upturning performances over the last couple of months have been brilliant. Um because of the, the the eight for for Tyreek, I'm going to give Han a seven, um, but I thought he was he was excellent. Um, disappointing from from Antoine, um, but again I've got to sort of temper that a little bit because of the sending off and the way they had to change shape. Um, but I didn't think he he showed the, the sort of strength that he's shown of late. Um, a couple of times he got knocked off the ball, um, where I, I would like to see him stand up a little bit more. So I'm going five for for Antoine. Um, I I think that's too low in my opinion. I think he I think he got he got knocked, didn't he? he got he got hacked down. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. And you don't know how much that you know you don't actually know what what pain he might have been feeling from that. Yeah. Um, and to to then sort of be asked to do a different job halfway through, I I, I think. What expect- would you go six? Yeah, I think expectation is six. Um, so I think I think six personally, but I'm happy to throw it over to Andy. Yeah, I had I had a five as well. So. Okay, right, five it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I felt I felt well. I mean, I'll we'll go with Matt. See what he said for um, Sam Pearson, but yeah. So Sam Sam Pearson, I thought um, if you looked at the two, Sam gave us more going the other way and also defending. So yeah, I gave Sam a six. Um, so for me, uh, that was the difference between the two, really. Yeah, yeah. So me, I give Sam a six too. Yeah. And what I liked as well with Sam Pearson. Even though um, I was going to be, probably would have been sounding a bit disrespectful, but even though he looks like he's a bit of a lottery winner coming on, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm playing for this, the first team. And I mean that in the, the sort of the sheer love enthusiasm. It, it in the well, the sheer enthusiasm and almost like he can't believe that he's, he's starting alongside these players. Um, and that, I, I do mean that in a positive way. What I loved was when he was coming off, he was really disappointed he was coming off. Um, and I love that. So he didn't go off thinking, oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And no, he was disappointed. And that, that will stand the bloke in good stead going forward. So fair play to him. Yeah. Um, and then I think we've just got fam, haven't we, left. Um, it's funny. I've seen a, another comment from someone on Twitter about um, it was nicer for Mara to retire the number nine shirt on the 31st of January or whenever it was. I actually thought he put a shift in today. Um, again, in, in terms of adversity with... No one alongside him. Again, a lot of high balls being pumped to him. He got battered by the the, the sort of centre halves who were pretty uncompromising. So, 
Um, I've gone, I actually went seven for Famara and then I've rechanged it to six. So I didn't think he had kind of one shot, but it was more rewarding him for his work rate. I'd expect that. So yeah, I went six for Famara. Yeah, happy with that. And uh, Mr. Nige? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go six for Nige as well um, because he did keep going. Um, and it's what I would expect. So that's that's kind of why it's a six. Um, he made the, the substitutions at the right stage. I suppose when, when you look at it, actually, it probably should be a seven maybe because he did make the changes at the right time, um, you know, and he made the right changes at the right time. Um, but I, I went initially with six. But again, if you boys you know, filled it, that's slightly harsh then I'll, I'll take that no, but, yeah. I think when you when you it was an interesting challenge for him it's the first time obviously we've seen him have to change the, the team so much after the sending off um, rearrange you know and the, no change in personnel it was just a shift of shift of formation and uh, we had a few shots of him on the sidelines you know barking some instructions and I like to I like to see that so yeah mm. I think it's um it's it's a fair fair result the bit that surprises me, and I don't know what what you guys think, is I, not necessarily one voice, because I think under Lee Johnson, you probably had Dean Holden and, and Jamie Maxey and stuff, but it surprises me just how often um, Paul Simpson, Nigel Pearson, and um, Steve Wignall... Wignall. Keith Downing, sorry, Steve Wignall, why did I say that? I think he was ex-second. <laughs> Keith Downing, that sort of, uh, they're all kind of talking, and, and you might, that might be because... Keith might be responsible for the defensive side of things. So he's talking to the defenders. I don't know. But sometimes as well, you sort of think just just maybe one voice might be yeah. what, what you want and not confuse things a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we've spoken about that before. Um, I think there is too much of that with with Holden, um, you know, Downing and Simpson. And I think the more since since um, Pearson's come in, I've seen more of him standing alone than all three of them standing there together. But yeah, you're right. There is still that back and forth. And I think that's, yeah, that's just because, you know, he's only, what's it, six games now, six, maybe seven games into his tenure and he's still working out what players can do. And Downing and Simpson have got that extended knowledge. Is that, would yeah. you say that, Andy? Yeah, I, I can see it. And we don't strike me as a team that have got a lot of, kind of vocal leaders on the pitch anyway mm. I know in commentary today Taylor Moore was said about Jack Hunt's a great one for kind of talking on the pitch and getting people fired up um, yeah. but apart from him there didn't seem to be any sort of from what, from the fortune of game point of view like you said you guys have said before there's nobody digging people out is there very often you don't very see that hardly often at all so it might need a bit of that from the from the bench um, and then in the last game, was it he asked for the crowd to be turned off? Didn't he? The, yeah, the background noise. Yeah. Yeah. Does that actually play over the tannoy, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, does, okay. yeah. I thought it was yeah. just over the province TV. Yeah, it's over the tannoy. Yeah. Um, Gregor's, Gregor's scores are in. Okay. And I don't, and I don't read Gregor knows anyway. I don't read these out to, it just highlights again different fans' views and stuff, doesn't mm. it? But so Gregor went nine for Dan Bentley. Uh, he's then gone five for Jack Hunt, six for Zach Viner, seven for Thomas Callas, six for Tommy Rowe, six for Han Noah, <laughs> five for Lansbury. Now, I don't know how Lansbury gets a five, but still. Um, seven for Tyreek. So Tyreek wasn't his man of match, Dan Bentley was. And then Antoine and Sam, both five. Famara, six. And then Sessignon gets a seven. All right. Now, yeah, Naki well six. Now, 
you know, Sassignon came on. Did Sassignon do anything that was well, an assist? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Arguably, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe break a spot on there, but that's, maybe that's what he gets his yeah. his, his formula he works out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, that's not that's not to be disparaging the Gregor. It's just the fact it, it highlights again different well, and, views, I, but... He was probably there as well, wouldn't he? It's, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. As, he will be as yeah, we yeah. Dis- as we discuss. It's one of those yeah, ones we we score it slightly differently, but um, yeah, everyone's got a different different lens, different viewpoint. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So two quick tweets in. Um, Nigel Mitchell, hard point game littered with errors, including the referee, but the youngsters battled it out. Deserved to get something, although it wasn't pretty at times. Adam Wyatt, squeaky bum time. This is going down to the last game of the season. I don't quite know what he means by that, but um, personally can't see Pearson staying on. What do you think he means by going down to the last game of the season in terms of you know, our safety? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I should hope not. No, um, I, I guess that is what he means, but I, I don't. Um, I think I mean, we're safe. Look, I think we're safe. Yeah, I was, just, I was just looking at the table now. So, looking at the table, we are in uh, 14th place on 51, and then you've got Blackburn on 50 below us, Forest on 49, Preston on 49, Huddersfield 47, Coventry 45, Birmingham 45, and those two have got a game in hand. So, I guess they're playing each other maybe. Derby 43, Rotherham 39, Sheffield Wednesday and Wickham um, on 36 and 34. So those two, well, we got four games left, mm. um, 12 points. So those two can't catch us. And so only Rotherham can. Uh, Rotherham would go, they've got three games, 12, 39. So Rotherham could catch us. Um, yeah, so I don't they, think, they'd be I don't level think... with us, Rotherham, if they, yeah, and they have scored more I don't think anyone's goals, but... actually relegated yet, are they? Doesn't look like um, it. No, it doesn't no. look like it. Despite that com- that comment on, yeah, yeah maybe he just saw the future. Um, <laughs> but obviously, we did touch on this briefly earlier. But Mark Ashton stepping down now. Uh, we've had that confirmed officially on the thirty first of May. But you'd have to assume, um, Andy, that, that there's an element of gardening leave. We haven't actually been confirmed yet, but. You wouldn't want necessarily someone who's moving on to be involved in any big decisions now, would you? No, I mean, that probably is one of the worrying things is there is now a bit of a, while we haven't got Pearson confirmed and Mark Ashton's going, well, who's making the decisions on the, I mean, how we've got double figures, the amount of players that are out of contracts. There's certain ones, like you look at Patterson, Patterson's out of contract because he's injured. Yeah, he's out of contract. Yeah. So on what basis is, somebody going to make a decision to give him a new contract, especially if he's injured. Yeah. Um, as if he wants to stay. Um, and then obviously you've got Liam Walsh and Fam and all the, all the rest of the others. So again, if, if by some, you know, if, if Pearson doesn't stay, um, then a bit like, but even in that sort of meantime now, who's, who's making the call on these players? Cause you'd think these, now we are, I mean, we are pretty much safe. Yeah. Who's making the, discussions who's making the final call on these decisions matt you'd have to assume that nigel pearson as manager not coach is the one saying to whether it's steve john or mark um i want you to renegotiate this person's contract i'm happy for this person to leave how do you see it in terms of how it will work until the 31st of may yeah he's he's actually said he was asked that question by um gregor i think um was he involved in contract discussions um, and he said, yeah, well, I'm manager. So, yeah, of course, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I would fully expect that he is. 
Um, I don't know how far down the, the track some of these conversations have gone. Um, you know, when Mark Ashton was on Jeff Twentyman's show, um, going back a couple of months, with Liam Walsh, it was that, that they'd they'd had discussions but not actually made an offer. But, you know, he'd given him the look, whatever that look is, that, um, you know, he, he wanted to stay. Um, but you, you're right, I think, in it, I mean, we've all sort of worked in business where we've seen senior managers who were leaving to go to different roles who were put on guard and leave immediately because of the, the potential impact it could have. Um, I, I did see a funny tweet the other day where they sort of talking about Mark Ashton carrying on staying until the 31st of May and being involved in the contracts. And then on the 1st of June was announcing Famara and Liam Walsh Ipswich, <laughs> which was quite interesting. But yeah, you, I, I would be surprised if he's overly involved. But with with Steve Lansdowne in Guernsey, with John Lansdowne away in Bermuda or wherever he is, um, you kind of wonder who, who else is there to, to, to have those kind of discussions. Mm. Um, you know, you wouldn't certainly wouldn't leave it just with Nigel Pearson again, unless you have agreed that he will become the manager mm. so it's an interesting one in you know like i alluded to last week patch you, you know mark ashton is is without a shadow of a doubt public enemy number one for a lot of bristol city fans i think a number of bristol city fans will have renewed season tickets on the back of him leaving but i would also think it's it's disrespectful not to acknowledge what he has done for the club as well um the fact that steve lansdowne has talked in glowing references of the work that he puts in the hours that he puts in um, and Nigel Pearson, the same, actually, has is, is, is come out and talked talk very highly of him. So, you know, it, it, it would be crass not to, to kind of wish him well, but it gives us an opportunity now to to look at a different avenue, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, um, you know, for, yeah. You, for you, Andy, um, what, what are you looking for in terms of a new CEO or a new director of football? What are you looking for? Well, I think the issue with Lansdowne was he was not Lansdowne with Mark Ashton. Uh, he, like Matt said, he was he was a bit of an easy target, mm. I'd say, for when um, I don't think a lot of people wouldn't um, wouldn't like to say the things they said about Mark Ashton about Steve Lansdowne or John Lansdowne. So Mark Ashton's kind of like the next one down the, you know, we can't say get rid of the board, can you? So, so it's like you know, and some have though, some have yeah, though, yeah, yeah, some will, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, and again, he he kind of his media persona wasn't to a lot of people's liking as well. Um, but I mean, going forward, I'd like to, I'd like to, if if this is even possible, I'd like to have a chief executive director of football that is kind of out of the media spotlight. I don't want to be hearing from the chief executive on video. I mean, I remember. When uh, Lee Johnson first came in and we were struggling against relegation and there was videos of Mark Ashton saying, you know, come on, get behind the team and that kind of thing. But we don't want to hear, no, you don't, don't need, you know, he should be, every, you know, maybe once a year, every yeah. six months, make a statement or, or an update or that kind of thing. But you want somebody the, out of the public eye. Be the business manager. Yeah. Come, come, tell us about the... The train, you know, the high performance center. Tell us about yeah. the the you know um, the work they're going to be doing with the new arena and stuff. Yeah, no problem at all with that. Um, yeah. In the past, was it was it Keith Burt that was in that kind of role when Steve Cottrell was there? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. But as a director of football, I think it was, wasn't it? Rather yeah. than, than sort of CEO. But you never heard of him. Ne no. Never heard. Saw. I'd never heard of him. Now, Mark Ashton's personality is such that he he likes that side of the job, doesn't he? You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will feature heavily in a lot of the stuff for Ips, which going forward. 
Um, and and I think that's where he got let he let himself down was the communication come the end. And we we quite often cited it patch on here, didn't we? That you know you, you, you would see him when things were going well, and wouldn't see or hear from him when things weren't. Um, and I think that then made him an easy target as well. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I I wanted him to stay 100 because I do think it had got too toxic. Um, but I also think you've got to acknowledge that, you know, he he was involved in the signings of Adam Webster. Um, and yes, for every Adam Webster, there was a Lewis, a, a Lewis Downey, but, you know, he did and he got us making, you know, we turned a profit for the first time. Um, and in this current climate, there weren't many clubs doing that. So, you know, yeah. it would be remiss not to also acknowledge that. But I also think it is time for a change. Well, I think the dream was for Peter Scudamore to come in, but he's he's written himself off that because he's enjoying his retirement. Um, but yeah, no, not many other names being thrown around. And as you say, it may well be someone we've never heard of coming in. So uh, yeah. one to watch. Okay. Um, just finish uh, with you, Andy, the bang bang podcast is uh, you've got many more, you've got lots scheduled in the pipeline. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, Oh, I mean, I'd imagine most people that listen to this have probably never heard of us with good reason, to be honest, because we kind of populate a, a darker area of, uh, of a podcasting <laughs> world. But um, yeah, we bring we've shows every week and we don't want to talk about old wrestling mixed in with um, reviews uh, of beers and stuff, reviews of beers, drunken sort of chat. And we often go through old music top tens from the 80s and 90s and my colleague was uh, uh, a a big a big I say a big player. Not really. I mean, he was literally a big player because he's quite tall. <laughs> but he was quite well known on the Bristol music scene in the sort of nineties and early two thousands. So he's kind of got a lot of memories from that sort of thing. It just veers all over the place, really. Um, but yeah, we'll still be banging them episodes out every week. So it's good. It, it's easy listening. It, obviously, it helps if you've got an interest in wrestling. But there, as you say, there are other angles to it as well. And uh, yeah, no, it's good to listen to. So uh, keep keep the podcast going. And uh, yeah, I say, really enjoy it, mate. So, so congratulations. Um, Thanks, mate. Another Bristol podcast. Let's, let's celebrate another Bristol, one. Bristol podcast. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Uh, Matt, no, we'll cheers, speak Wednesday. And yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Pax, think... just one one final yeah, thing. On. Sorry, um, just to to congratulate Dean Ash, uh, Dean Ashton, Dean Holden on um, yeah. on getting a, <laughs> a new role at Stoke City. Yeah, um, you know, fair play to Dean. It, it didn't work out for us, but we all acknowledge what a top bloke he was. So it's it's good to see him back in the game quickly. Yeah, lovely stuff. Right, we're off now. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll Happy guys. Soon. Take care. Take care, boys. the feeling of home.